Hey everyone, welcome to the New Artist Stories episode of Fox Tales, the music industry podcast by Stereo Fox. If you've been following the music world closely, there's certainly one name that stood out in the UK scene last year. Emerging half Japanese, half English artist Miso Extra blends so many genres and both her native languages in super captivating music. Her debut EP called Great Taste is out via Beatnik Creative, who also worked with the outstanding Arlo Parks, and let me tell you, the EP is quite the ride. So she was so nice to drop by for a chat to share more about herself and the Misuverse. So hi Miso, welcome to Foxtails. I'm Miso. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. So,、uh, to get this、uh, conversation going, what's the misoverse? The misoverse? I touch on this in a lyric.、Um, it's,、um, so, my, the lyric is from, I think it's Adventures of Tricky and Duke. And the lyric is Welcome to an alternate reality, open door kind of policy, full of peace and musicality, which is essentially kind of summarizes the misoverse for me. Um, it's just this alternate world where I am the perpetual daydreamer. So it's nice. It's kind of a world where I can、um, inhabit as Miso、um, that has no boundaries and is it's kind of this very free flowing, fun loving place where anyone's really welcome、um, and creativity is paramount. Yeah. So, how did you come、uh, up with your <laughs> artist names? Pretty peculiar. <laughs> um, I think the name Miso Extra came about when I, I was having a conversation with a friend quite a few years ago. And I think I was joking about like, if I ever was to be an artist, I would have to have something quite,、um, quite memorable. And I think it was a joke with like, ah,、uh, and also like nothing can ever, like, I always have to have things that taste good. And I think I've always had a conversation with friends where they're like, your taste in things is quite extra.、Um, and so it plays on the, <laughs> so it plays on this idea of、um, me also being quite like、uh, an out there in terms of not just my taste in like actual food or just like in just things in life in general, but it also plays on this idea of like immigrant culture and being not able to pronounce things correctly. So it kind of ties into this whole idea of like, so my mum would say things like this and it's kind of taking ownership of that,、um, of that kind of not being able to understand or kind of mispronouncing things in the language and then kind of playing on that and making a joke And a kind of a poking fun at myself as well. But the joke is that I'm actually quite eloquent. <laughs> That's a great story.、Uh, I gotta ask a favorite miso dish? It's so hard. It's, I, I do I tend、know. to find I put miso in a lot of things. I put it in my pasta. At the moment, I've been really into、um, making this creamy mushroom miso pasta dish.、Um, But I do put it in brownies as well. But there's nothing that can beat like a proper nice akamiso, and you just have a bit of Japanese cucumber and you kind of dip it into the,、uh, dip the cucumber into the miso and just kind of snack on it.、Um, a simple, I'm getting hungry. Simple... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah uh, I that, cannot help but notice uh, food plays a pretty big role uh, in your life. Uh, uh, I've been I've been looking through your socials as well, and uh, it's also visible from both the EP name and uh, the artist name you chose. So where does this come from? Like how how come? I think I think it's um. I don't know. It's something that's definitely. I think it's an area. It's a huge area of study. I believe, in terms of kind of immigrant culture and using food as a way of kind of regaining. I think it's like oh, the light's gone. Um, kind of like f- connecting with kind of a part of your identity, especially with my mum being Japanese and coming over to the UK and kind of trying to find ways of sharing her culture and then for her to be able to also reconnect with an element of herself it's like it's intrinsic to that kind of upbringing having those flavors of home and then for me that then kind of helps me tie that into my whole identity as that's my kind of love language almost it's like we don't really tend to talk like you know in Japanese culture it's like food plays a huge part like you watch any anime and it's like there's never not a scene where they're eating at some point um (laughs) (laughs) like even and like even in Japanese dramas like it's rare that they'll have scenes where they're not eating and the food is always food that they eat whereas if you watch a kind of western drama there's food there but they're hardly ever eating it because it's never real food whereas if you watch like a J drama or a K drama it tends to be real food that they can actually eat and interact with so it's kind of this thing that is always there that, you know, ties back to things. But I think, um, I don't know if you've ever read um, Crying in H Mart with uh, Japanese Breakfast. It's um, nope. a memoir. But uh, that's a really good kind of, that was a book I read recently that really helped me un- kind of, I really identified with that in the sense that she talks about kind of her mum passing but their way of connecting with each other was through food and her mum's Korean and she really does a good job of explaining that of kind of like if she lost that aspect of herself where would she find her own identity as being half Korean Um, so it's I think it's a very it's a really close thing to my heart that and also I'm a big eater and cook (laughs) (laughs) i'm a huge appreciator of flavor do you like to cook (laughs) yeah i do i do like to cook when i have the time to um it's definitely my love language for sure it's pretty (laughs) nice people (laughs) yeah uh it's pretty nice uh how you um, incorporate um food into all your art and obviously in humanity food has always played a big role in like getting people together you know, families yeah. get together over over uh, dinner. So, yeah, it, it I, I guess it all kind of ties together. It's pretty cool the story shared. Um, when you were yeah, growing up, uh, what were you? Uh, what did you want to become? What did I want to become? I was a perpetual daydreamer, so I wanted to be <laughs> everything. <laughs> I think at one point I wanted to be a stunt woman. No, um, I think I've always wanted to be an artist. I've always wanted to be an artist, but I don't really think I knew in what capacity that would manifest. It was, um, I think for a long time, I thought it was going to kind of be in drawing or in um, painting or things like that. But I think music has long been something that's, been there it's but it's not really 
until later on that I kind of thought, oh, this is something I could actually make a career out of. Um, it's definitely... No, go ahead, go oh, ahead. No, no, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, uh, it just it goes to my next question about your involvement with music. When did it begin? Oh, <laughs> I think I've always been really into music. I've been really into sound. I think, like, not like listening as well as making, um, kind of, it's just as you get older, um, the sound just becomes a bit more coherent. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. initially it's just a bit, I think when you first start out, you're kind of like, that's a nice sound, but I don't really know how to, I've created it. I think I've I've touched on this quite a bit in previous interviews where it's like, I always used to have this little keyboard that I would play on as a kid and I'd kind of record things and listen back to myself and sing. I've always loved singing and I've always loved that element of things. And I grew up playing the violin and um and trying to like dabble i'm like an amateur like a mediocre musician of a lot of different instruments <laughs> so it's kind of like dabbling i don't think i ever really stuck it out with one particular thing um but it, i guess it, the vocals I, I've can. Defi- <laughs> yeah like the vocals stuck <laughs> yeah i think that, i think because it's a it's a fairly inexpensive instrument you can carry around <laughs> with you without having to worry about setting it up <laughs> or um yeah just try to not, investing... not to get a cold i guess <laughs> yeah i think that's it just don't just look after your voice <laughs> um i think that's probably what it is it's like you can carry it around with you and you don't have to worry about baking too much noise or being a nuisance to someone um <laughs> uh, <laughs> i really love your logic of when choosing what to <laughs> what to, how to approach music uh great um so we are uh coming to great taste and this is the name of your uh new ep debut ep yeah. uh which already received so much support from the likes of bbc radio kcrw the fader and so many more uh, so what's the project about? Can you kind of uh, elaborate on the the whole the whole thing? So um, great taste, I think for me is I've I've said this from the beginning. It's my jikosho guy, which is kind of my self introduction into the world and mind of miso, where it's like it's this kind of broad, expansive kind of genre and influence. And it's kind of a little bit of a flavor, like it's an amuse-bouche. <laughs> it's like a little flavor of every, of like each song is different from the next. And it kind of just touches on all these different things that are close to me, but also kind of sh- proving almost that it's like I can touch on various different sounds and genres without, but still almost show that it's from a similar realm, that it's kind of it's still very much me and miso and the identity is there and the nuances between tracks is identifiable but it's still different um i can write a serious song and then have something a bit more fun so i can have something like 1013 where it's quite serious and then have something like deep fried where it's like about objectifying people and food <laughs> but um it's it's um it's a it's a it's my baby and it's nice to have such recognition from all of these different channels, considering that I didn't really ever think I'd actually release this publicly. Um, it was just a little lockdown project for me. Um, and it's kind of manifested itself into something um, very much bigger than what I'd initially intended it to. And it's quite a nice feeling. It's pretty amazing. We actually got really 
like mind blown when the we heard the first track you ever released uh, as a curator. Oh. We we're like, wow, this is something. And uh, I'm really excited we get to find out so much about the process behind. <laughs> it it is it is super super interesting what you create. Uh, so what about your instrumentals? Who's behind them? It, they are so different as you explained already <laughs> in terms of genres, but also in in a way very coherent coherent. Yeah. Um. So I work with um an incredibly talented production duo called Tricky and Duke. And so the first song I ever released is a homage to them. Um, All right. So yes, I, so I was going to ask little... who are tricking. <laughs> so that's my subtle introduction into who Tricky and Juke are. They are very, very good friends of mine that I work with um, on almost all of my music. Um, they are brilliantly talented, and this is the first project they've released or you know helped release as tricky and juke so they're pretty pretty new to having their these tunes out but um they're yeah they're amazing and they really help me shape my sound as well they're they're very they're mentors of mine i'd have to say um but yeah stay tuned they've got a lot of they're very very talented and they've got a lot of other things to come can't wait to hear <laughs> um and what about uh 10 13 what's what does it actually mean the number so 10 so the number, um, 1013 is an angel number and it's about overcoming. So the song is about me being really frustrated and looking around me and seeing that there's kind of people not, everyone being the same kind of humans, we're all human and yet no one seems to want to help each other out. They're kind of obsessed with this digital self or that, you know, they spend too much time looking at their screens. They kind of, all of this chaos is happening around them and yet, nothing seems to get done or no one seems to want to get along and it's it, it's kind of a hopeful title for the track in the sense that 1013 is about the overcoming adversity and it's this idea of like the whole of the track in Japanese is about kind of it's a stream of consciousness um of my inner monologue and then the English rap section acts as a break which is my front-facing um, voice so it's kind of like it plays on to it, you know plays on this idea of like the majority of people won't be able to understand the Japanese portion which is my inner monologue and then the English a lot of people will understand but it's a little bit more fun and a little bit more tongue-in-cheek so it's kind of like me trying to bring to light my state of mind in terms of all of these things so it's um uh yeah it's it's it yeah, it like plays on a lot of different things, but I am planning on um, releasing the lyrics so people can understand. <laughs> so many layers, that's amazing. Uh, how do you go about your songwriting? That's a super interesting area, especially for your music. Um, on one note, because it's uh, bilingual. Uh, so how do you approach, um, and we can touch about, uh, we can touch on the topics that inspire you actually. You did cover some of it, but I'm curious to if you want to share more. Um, so where would you like? So where would you yeah. let me start? <laughs> Wherever you want. It's a big topic, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Sorry. Which question would you like no, me yeah. to answer? Um, yeah, go about your songwriting. Like, what inspires you? How do you go about it? Um. I think. Mm, 
I so I normally I will just write in my day to day life as I'm going about my day to day life. I'll kind of write things down and I'll write phrases, and sometimes I'll save those and use those later. Or sometimes I'll hear a beat as it's coming together and then just think, right, I need to get this idea down. I've got a concept for it. And then sometimes it's just like I'm just going to sing a bunch of melodies, and as I'm singing those melodies, sometimes words start coming to the top of the dome and then it's just like okay so this word will fit here um and it sometimes is like not until really after you've written a song that you realize what you're writing so it's like it's just like get it all out it's difficult i think in the moment to know what it is you're writing about you just know what sounds good or you know there's a phrase you're really into and then you kind of then start kind of expressing that and then as you go and start you walk away and come back to it and come listening to it and piece start building it and piecing it together you were like okay so this is the message that I'm trying to talk about so let's make this a bit more coherent um mm-hmm. and then you kind of build on it from there um but sometimes yeah the original demos of things is what tends to be the first recording that gets used and then you kind of just build off it a little bit um yeah like it's I don't think there's any one way I write a song there's a lot of different ways and i think you know having conversations with other people who make music and other artists it's everyone seems to they you know they teach you new ways and it's always nice to explore other ways of making music as well but yeah it's quite varied it's quite broad and quite varied i, I mean <laughs> it's creative creative process anyway so you cannot probably put it into a box yeah it's very hard to explain um, yeah <laughs> I'm trying, uh, not, not a songwriter myself, so I'm trying to figure it out from, you know, from a perspective. Uh, but I guess it's yeah. just like some sort of magic happening in there. You know, you can't really Yeah, I, can't, I don't it. know. It's just like, um, you just, you latch on to something. You latch on to an idea and you just think, okay, I'm going to flow with this idea. And then it happens to be something. And in the moment, you're like, this is the greatest song ever. And then sometimes you listen to it back to it and you're like, no, this is a terrible song. <laughs> and then sometimes you're like, oh, this is a terrible song. You go back to it and you're like, this is an amazing song. But Or it's just like, it's because sometimes the songs you like aren't always what everyone else likes um, and vice versa. So I just um, just enjoy the process, really. That's the <laughs> best keep... way to go about it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, you did uh, cover some of this in previous interviews, uh, but can you share a bit more about the topics that inspire you? Like, what what is the best thing that drives you, like, uh, in terms of themes? Uh, um, themes. Generally speaking, I'm quite... I'm quite kind of always a glass half full kind of person. You know, even if I'm talking about there being adversity and there being kind of all these dark things happening around us, there is always an element of hope and fun and, you know, always look at things in a way that can be make it entertaining. And I like to think that, you know, through, through humour and through comedy, you're able to actually convey messages um, a, bit, a little more effectively. Um, and it kind of it can make things a little more poignant. Um, for me, but that's how I find things anyway. Um, and generally, I quite like having fun anyway. So it's just <laughs> it just seems to tie into tie into the music topics that yeah, for me, topics about kind of like what it is to be feminine is quite difficult. I think um, so. It's kind of like questioning a lot of the time. It's questioning that kind of what it is to be feminine 
and empowered and still sexy but without being fetishized because often the danger of you know the danger is I think is like being kind of being half Japanese and being Asian sometimes there's this kind of long-standing history of being fetishized as a woman of my ethnic background and so it's kind of like being aware of that and then trying to move away from that but be still be empowered and be you know be um powerful without having to be without having to come across as aggressive but like I don't know it's it's like a fine line it's very difficult line to bridge and kind of like kind of also like assuring other young girls who might look to me and think oh and identify like oh that's another Asian person that I can kind of see and that's another example of you know that makes it a little bit more broad I think a lot of the time it's like a lot of the representations you see seem to kind of pigeonhole you into one area so it's nice to kind of offer alternate viewpoints I think for a lot of people yeah this is actually something I wanted to talk to you about because it's very interesting in the past years um the Asian cultures like or the eastern cultures in general have been yeah, on one hand, fetishized, but there is a lot more interest in them uh, from the Western world. Um, mm. let, let, like, you know, um, K-pop has been around for ages, not to mention anime, uh, obviously. But, for example, Squid Game is the most uh, viewed TV show on Netflix ever. And it just got released, like, last year. And uh, why do you think that is? And, um, like, obviously, it, it might come across as a bit overwhelming uh, in to some extent i think a lot of it seems to just be with accessibility like mm -hmm. i think a lot of the, like growing up i you know I, it was a lot harder to try and watch a lot of anime and a lot of dramas and it's it, you know it was a lot of like having to be sent pirated copies of things or like try and find dodgy websites to watch things on mm -hmm. and it was quite a niche thing like it's like, there's a word in it in Japanese with otaku, which is quite like a like a nerdy thing to be into, <laughs> to be into foreign drama. It's the same thing with like watching like you know French dramas or you know a foreign language t film on TV. Like yeah. it's not something that you'd that was easily accessible. But now with you know with the internet and travel, people are going abroad and finding these things and or people are bringing their cultures over and it's kind of the demand is now there with people wanting to watch things in their own in a language that they're comfortable with or want to learn a new language and it's kind of Netflix has done a great job of kind of bringing that and a lot of other webs a lot of other <laughs> a lot of yeah. other streaming platforms too but I do think it's a lot of it's to do with accessibility um and how effective they become at marketing globally <laughs> um, uh i wouldn't i you know I, and then with that the demand has then risen so it's kind of like a double-edged thing it's like yeah. people have been wanting this for a while they've made it more accessible and then now they're like well if you've made it accessible can you make more of it accessible and it's just the demand will keep rising and and you know yeah, yeah. makes sense <laughs> Um, you also touched on the topic of femininity in a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so we actually have this initiative uh, around women in music, and it's more connected with uh, people who are involved in um, 
female, a female and non-binary people who are involved in music production and um, other like uh, engineering, audio engineering, etc. Yeah. Um, and we work with, uh, we try to work with some organizations. We created a, a playlist. Uh, we uh, that's called Beat Queens. Uh, also wow. several articles, etc. So um, I I realized that the topic of femininity is a very big thing in your music as well. Uh, so do you see any like direction that the world is going in terms of this? You you did mention some of it, but I think I think the first thing is always recognizing it. Um and I think I think it's very well, it's great that people are recognizing it. So. <laughs> that there's <laughs> something. Yeah. That that like they're recognizing that there is an issue and people are learning to censor but until it kind of becomes part of our human identity, like if we're having to stop ourselves and censor, then it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're having, if we're not having to second guess ourselves with saying things, then, you know, you're moving away from it being an issue. But I do think we're still very far away <laughs> from kind of equality as a whole. But I, you know, I do think people are trying and I think a lot of the represent, you know, a lot of the people in charge of, you know representing various different cultures and various different types of people um are trying um but you can't you know only time will tell i think it was really sad i saw an article the other day about women and girls moving away from becoming less and less interested in sport the older they get due to the stigma Mm -hmm. is held with women in sport um which is very sad but it yeah it's I definitely think, yeah, kind of raising awareness and recognition towards these areas, problem areas, definitely does help. But um, yeah, I think you can only try and move on to the, you know, live each day and try and make it a little bit better than it was the day before in whatever way you can. Yeah. Is my kind of how I try to live things. <laughs> yeah, I I realize it's a process as well. And also, I think it's also a matter of accessibility. So the more people know, yeah. the more people would realize there is something going on and try to change their little worlds. And, you know, things would just happen slowly. It It is like with a lot of things in the world that um, have changed throughout history. It's just like small steps. But yeah, it's great to hear so many people are trying to do this, um, make a change in their everyday lives. And yeah, it's think, nice yeah. to it's nice that you're doing it as well. <laughs> yeah, I do think accessibility is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, with social media at, at least this is um very, very easy. Yeah. All right. Uh let's talk about a bit uh about your musical influences. Um, there My is a very influences. cool playlist that you create, <laughs> which is called, of course, Miso Mix. Uh, is this the place where uh, we find what's inspiring you at the moment musically, or it can be other things that you kept secret? Yeah, I think the Miso Mix is just kind of my way of creating a soundtrack to the Misoverse um, that you can kind of vibe to on the all week long. But um, I, I have touched on it I think it's it tends to be a case of like whatever I'm listening to at the moment or whatever it is I think that people should be listening to um or sometimes I use it as a way to show people uh share music of friends of mine so I put music on there and I say it's kind of music that I 
sing to in the shower, that I dance to at home, that I cook to, eat to, kind of chill to, make love to, like all of these different things on a, and it's it's just a, it's a nice way to kind of start laying these little Easter eggs into, you know, showing people that as a, the miso versus it's it's more than just me making music at home in my bedroom <laughs> you know it's the idea is there to create kind of this bigger experience and there's it's a you know the developing of a community um without having to physically be next to each other kind of this share, sharing of like minds <laughs> but i always welcome any recommendations from anyone for the miso mix happy to <laughs> add to it um what are you listening to aside from it like any bigger names that influenced you musically what um he um, so i always i always cite um mf doom as a as an inspiration right yeah i just think he's very i just think his way of kind of humor and wordplay is incredible i do think it's genuinely incredible and a lot of the time his kind of when you're listening to him rap you don't always get what it is he said until you sit down and read the lyrics um but then princess nokia i've been really into really really into i think she's incredible um some of her songs just make you laugh your head off um like uh huge fan huge huge fan um bad, myself bad, not as good. well Yeah, really into just like jazz style, jazz musicians as a whole um, alongside. But I think that's intrinsic to hip hop. But I do think it's interesting because I, I wouldn't say I make classically hip hop beats. <laughs> it's like electronic beats with hip hop inspired yeah. wordplay, um, which is, yeah. <laughs> It is very diverse, which is, again, pretty great that you're not sticking into like some particular genre or like something in the box so it is it is quite the right that uh, when <laughs> when listening to to music um and also how does dancing come into all of your misoverse who doesn't like dancing <laughs> who doesn't I bet like some people to move don't. <laughs> yeah but i feel like for me it's just moving just move your body like those endorphins need to get flowing anything to make you feel better about yourself about life about everything is is always a positive it's never a negative and like i think there's i, I think i read it somewhere where it's like if you can walk you can definitely dance like you can just move <laughs> even if it's just like jiggling a little bit and especially also with like tiktok being such a huge thing of creating dance crazes um you know just it, yeah it's just so important to move if not dancing just like a sport anything like i'm a huge huge one for just like staying active <laughs> what do you um, what do you play what do i play yeah, oh like, uh, like i was play, i was playing football i play football i nice. play like a little uh like casual friendly football matches um and then just yeah I I recently took up um aerial silks which is like if you I don't know if you know what that is uh, it's, it's like, like the yoga thing kind of right is it Yeah so it's not yoga but it's like circus uh -huh. Yeah yeah, yeah, these, yeah yeah these like two silks and you kind of have to 
do various different acrobatics dangling mm-hmm. off these silks and it involves a lot of upper body strength which I wasn't pr- prepared for <laughs> um, so come away each week absolutely shattered and, and then I can't move my arms for about a week and then go back and do it and then can't move my arms again but uh, it's this it's yes. it's, it's fun <laughs> I guess this is how it is coming from football <laughs> so. yeah so it's like you don't really use your arms in football or in running and then you start using it in another sport and you realize oh okay I am incredibly weak <laughs> in my arm awesome uh, all right um so you already uh performed on several gigs uh so mm. how do you feel about playing live i'm really enjoying it i'm really really enjoying it um i think the first cup first few were incredibly terrifying <laughs> um and you kind of have to like smile and um kind of get through it and let the adrenaline carry you through but no i've definitely come into i'm starting to find my own groove with it it's uh it's still daunting but it's like you you rechannel that into enjoyment and it's it's really enjoyable when you see people who've come to see you and who are really into the songs and like a few people went like my favorite thing is when you recognize people in the audience who are singing the lyrics that's always a big thing like that's a huge a huge comfort to me to know that people are connecting with the music in that way um and i think also it's just so nice to feed off the energy of all the people enjoying just being out especially considering we haven't had live access to live music for a couple of years now mm-hmm. kind of on and off so it's nice to actually see people and <laughs> connect with people as well and it puts a lot of your music into perspective because sometimes you kind of just sit there in your room or wherever you wherever it is that you make music and you think oh yeah i'm just making this thing and then you go and meet all these people and you think oh wow okay these this means this is bigger than me like this is manifested in you know th- these people connect with this and it's kind of like you do it for these people as well as for yourself and that's that's a really nice feeling what was the most exciting thing that happened on the, any of those live shows oh um my favorite thing has been like the number of times we've had i've had an encore which is incredible considering i've had so few songs out mm-hmm. and my set my set list isn't very long yet it's only about like half an hour <laughs> so um <laughs> there's um so that's always a nice feeling and it's nice it's a really nice feeling when people come up to you afterwards and say that how much they enjoyed it especially people who've not because a lot of the time people are only still discovering the sound of miso and it's it's a nice it's like it's a really nice feeling to know that people enjoy the music um and that it brings them joy to listen to it and it just makes me want to then perform better each time i would love to see you live at some point uh, when uh, <laughs> obviously when the world is a bit more open to traveling um yes. but um yeah i i guess you have uh, some stuff planned already uh, will there be some sort of a tour for uh, great taste or um cannot so- share yet Ah, I don't know if there will be a tour this year, but there is shows. I have a couple of shows. I have a few shows lined up this year. So I've got a show in April in London. I've got a show at The Great Escape in Brighton. And I've got Dot to Dot, which is Nottingham and Bristol this year, I believe. Um, And then there'll be a few other things, obviously, as the year kind of unfolds. I'm sure there'll be more talk, more dates put in the diary. 
Um, yeah. But hopefully overseas. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, it would be really exciting to see you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, closer <laughs> to us in Europe. Uh, yeah. We're uh, excited to uh, share, you know, uh, when you have the new date. So we'll be keeping an eye. Um, all right. Uh, so there is, a, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's someone you would love to collaborate with. So I'm curious which, <laughs> uh, which uh, would this person or people would be? Have I you thought think, about um, it? Or, well, I, I'd really love to work with Baba Not Good and Hayat Kayut. Well, I think I just like to meet them rather than work with them. <laughs> I think it's just like a personal thing. I'd really love to work with, I th I'd love to work with, um, Priya Raghu, which is someone who's about at the moment. Um, yeah, there's quite a few. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to work with like Thundercat. That would be cool. Or like just get him to lay down some bass on a song. <laughs> just the bass. Cool. That would yeah, be amazing. Just like, yeah, just get him to play something. Um, yeah, quite a few. I think some of the people I'd like to work with have either passed away or um, I don't think are making music anymore. But like, but yeah. I really hope you get to some of those. I'm, I'm pretty sure you will. I'm pretty sure you will. Uh, like, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. I'm going to manifest that. <laughs> yeah. Or If they hear this. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, I know you spoke to Arla Parks on BBC's Future Sounds. Uh, we're yes. a big fan of her and she's also releasing with Beatney Creative uh your label yes, she's amazing uh, yeah i was going to ask how was it and like uh, do, do you know her uh aside outside of, of the show she, no so i don't know I, i don't know her personally um i think we connected on social media but um she is absolutely lovely she is honestly an absolute gem to talk to and that was such a nice experience it was such a good experience to have that kind of and her champion the music um especially at the time uh on such a big platform as well i think that was my second kind of national radio show interview <laughs> which was quite daunting kind of thrown into that um yeah and i do think the music she makes is incredible and i think her i went to her show not that long ago and it's like going to therapy i don't know if you've been to an arlo park show but she really no, I'd love helps to. you she yeah, there's a lot of her connecting with the audience and kind of the whole encouraging mental health and i just think that is for such a young creative that's an incredible and that's an incredibly mature thing to be able to bring to the sphere and it's no wonder that she's had such you know such support um like such far-reaching support as well and she's she's gonna go well she's already gone amazing places but she's gonna keep going to some amazing places i do believe i'm pretty sure yeah i remember discovering cola uh for the first time it was so long ago and then she just <laughs> exploded and i'm really happy to see like she's going these places and also yeah. like presenter on bbc it's amazing yeah i can't wait um i hope you you do a show together at some point it would be amazing. yeah that'd and be crazy i will definitely try to come <laughs> yeah that no would, definitely if i'm be... in europe <laughs> please yeah. do <laughs> yeah or maybe we can drop by uk it's not that far yeah just stop in <laughs> okay uh misa thank you very much for this conversation a great pleasure if there's anything else you'd like to share uh to our audience also where people can follow you find you what to expect yeah feel free to do it now 
Yeah, no, so I have been Lisa Extra. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you can find me on most places as Miso Extra. I've managed to get that name for myself on I think Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube, all of those. Um, and I have got an EP coming out this year called Great Taste. And I am so incredibly excited for you all to hear. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>